0: Welcome to the Art of Mathematics. I'm Carol Jacoby, and I'm a mathematician. And I'm Injeta Thackeray, and I'm not a mathematician. Carol, you gave us a puzzle last time. Can you repeat it? Imagine you have 16 black socks and 14 brown socks. No other colors. You have an early morning meeting, so you need to grab some clothes from the bedroom dresser in the dark so as not to wake your spouse, Then get dressed in the living room. How many socks do you need to take out to ensure you have at least one pair? The answer is three. If the first two socks are either both black or both brown, you have your pair. If it's one of each, then the third one will match one or the other and give you a pair. Two is not enough, but three is. Now, some of you are probably objecting that you didn't use the number 16 or 14 that I gave you. Well, yeah. In school, you don't usually get unnecessary data, but in real life you do. In contrast to some previous puzzles we've had here, which seem not to have enough data, this one has too much. The trick here is figuring out exactly what it's asking. Note that it just says a pair. It could be a pair of either color. The assumption is that you have no fashion sense and don't care what color you wear with your sandals. For those of you who tried to answer a different question, so you could use the numbers here, here are the answers. To get a black pair, 16. To get a brown pair, 18. To get at least one of each color so that you can intentionally wear unmatched socks and really be fashion backward, 17. To get a pair of each color so you can choose, Eighteen. So what are we going to talk about today? Ah, to infinity and beyond. Wait, you can't go beyond infinity. (laughs) We'll see. You may be surprised. Infinity is really hard to grasp. Everything we know is finite. Our lives are finite. The knowable universe is finite. It's really, really big, but it's still finite. I remember as a kid wondering about the biggest number there could be. I wrote a string of nines across a whole blackboard. Nine is bigger than any digit, so that must be the largest number. But if I wrote a string of ones across the whole blackboard, I could squeeze more in. So that must be the biggest number. Well, what if I had a larger blackboard? Is there a largest number? No, there's no largest number. There's always the next one. There are infinitely many numbers Math was blowing my mind even when I was a kid. (laughs) Infinity is very hard for us to imagine. Here's a thought experiment from mathematician David Hilbert, who was famous for posing interesting and challenging problems. This is not one of his famous problems, just a fun way to think about infinity. Imagine Hilbert's hotel, which has infinitely many rooms, all of which are occupied. We will also imagine that these occupants don't mind being asked to change rooms. This may be almost as hard to imagine as the Infinite Hotel. But this is a thought <laughs> experiment, so work with me here, okay? <laughs> Another traveler shows up and wants a room. Wait a minute. Isn't he out of luck? Didn't we say the place was full? Yes, the place is full so far. But suppose we ask everyone to vacate their room and then move into the next higher number one. So the person in room one moves to two, two goes to three, and so on. Everybody gets a room, and room one is now available for the traveler. There's always room at Hilbert's Hotel. Okay, you got that? Isn't that weird? It gets weirder. (laughs) Now imagine an infinite bus with an infinite number of travelers, and that shows up. Okay, this is getting really crazy. You could put one or, or maybe two in the hotel, but the rest are out of luck, right? Well, well, there's a way to do it. Here's how you do it. You have get everybody out of their rooms and you have each person move to the room with twice the number. So one goes to two, two goes to four, three goes to six, and so on. Now all the odd-numbered rooms are available, and there are infinitely many of them. This hotel can accommodate infinitely many people, even when they're already full. Crazy, huh? <laughs> now, imagine infinitely many buses show up, each carrying infinitely many travelers. <laughs> can the hotel take them? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Now my head is starting to hurt. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll leave that one. As they say in the textbook. The proof is left to the student. It can be done. It's tricky. But maybe by the end of our conversation, some of our listeners will figure it out. But it is tricky. Now, as you can see, infinity doesn't act like ordinary numbers. And for many years, people didn't accept it, saying, for example, even though the numbers go on forever, it's just potential infinity, since we can't grasp them all. The thing about infinity that made people crazy is exactly what we saw in Hilbert's Hotel. If you think about how you count things, you go one, two, three, and so on. You associate each item with a unique number. This is called a one to one correspondence. For example, suppose you have a 99 seat theater and all the seats are filled. Yeah, I know <laughs> in the age of COVID, you may not remember what going to the theater was like or a stadium. We used to do that. <laughs> but another thought experiment imagine a 99 seat theater with all the seats filled if all the 99 seats are filled you know that there are 99 people in the theater you don't need to count them because you put them into one-to-one correspondence with the 99 seats hmm. so this is how we can figure out how big sets are and we can do the same thing with infinity some collection is infinite if we can put it in one-to-one correspondence with the natural numbers, one, two, three, and so on. For example, we can pair up the natural numbers with their doubles. One with two, two with four, three with six, and so on. Just like we did with the infinite bus. There are exactly as many even numbers as all natural numbers, even and odd. Wait a minute. There are more natural numbers than even numbers, right? Yeah, there are, there are like twice as many you would think. And that's exactly why people objected to infinity because you have a set in a one-to-one correspondence with something that's strictly larger. Numbers don't work that way. You can't take three items and put them one-to-one correspondence with four items. It doesn't work. <laughs> but then in the 1870s, Georg Cantor developed a theory of infinity. And it used this odd characteristic to define infinity. Here's this definition, a collection is infinite if it can be put into a one-to-one correspondence with a smaller subset. The natural numbers, for example, are infinite because they can be put into a one-to-one correspondence with the even numbers, which is a proper subset. In other words, just a part of it. Uh This also says that the natural numbers and the even numbers Are the same size and we call the size cardinality. Anything you can put in an infinite list has the same cardinality as the natural numbers. For example, the prime numbers. So there are just as many prime numbers as even numbers as natural numbers, in fact as integers positive and negative. Now that last one is tricky. The integers go off to infinity in both directions. So there's no first negative number. So how do you start? Here's the secret. The correspondence does not need to be in order. It just needs to be a list. So we can list all the integers like this. 0, 1, minus 1, 2, minus 2, and so on. Now, what about fractional numbers like 2 thirds or 3 over 2? There are infinitely many of these between, say, 0 and 1 and packed in there as tightly as you wish. Certainly, there are more fractional numbers than integers. You wouldn't think so. Yeah. Well, Cantor came up with a trick, believe it or not, to list them all. Now, you can't list them in order, obviously. There isn't a the next fraction after 0. You know, it's like one eighth or one sixteenth, or you can always find a smaller one. But you don't have to list them in order. Just list them. Hmm. So here's his trick. He starts off with 1 over 1. I mean, that just reduces to 1. We want to make sure we get that in there. Then 1 over 2 and 2 over 1. And then 3 over 1, 2 over 2, and 1 over 3. So now we're getting to the ones where the numerator and denominator add up to 4. And that's all of those. 4 over 1, 3 over 2, 2 over 3, 1 over 4, and so on. And eventually, somewhere in this list, you're gonna get every fraction that anybody could come up with. And you notice you also get one over one and two over one and so on. So you get all the natural numbers in there. Now you just count them. And you could skip over the repetitions like two over two if you want. But when you count them, they're in this list, you've put them into a one-to-one correspondence with the natural numbers. There are just as many natural numbers as fractional numbers, and just as many fractional numbers as natural numbers. So it seems that all the infinite sets are the same? It sure seems so, but surprisingly, no. Mm -hmm. So we got to infinity. So let's go to infinity and beyond. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out there are some numbers that just can't be written as a fraction, and these are called irrational. Mm -hmm. And this negative connotation goes back to ancient Greece and the Pythagoreans. They were kind of weird. They were just integers, and they were horrified when one of their own discovered that the square root of two, which is just the length of a diagonal on a lovely one-by-one one square, was irrational. And one story goes that this poor guy was murdered by them. Another said the gods drowned him at sea for his heresy. Whew, fortunately, mathematicians <laughs> now find irrationals useful and can use them without inciting the gods. Yeah. The most famous irrational is pi, the ratio of a circle's circumference to its diameter. And it's been calculated out to a gazillion decimal places. It turns out it never ends and it never repeats. When I was in school, one of the math classrooms had pi written out to 100 places wrapped all around the room, above the blackboard. Now, before I really understood what mathematicians do, I thought if I was going to be a mathematician, I had better learn it. This is how far I got, 3.1415926535. <laughs> now, I'm gonna prove that there are a lot more numbers like this than there are integers. In fact, I'm going to prove that for just for those between zero and one. This is another thought exercise. Imagine that you could make a list of all the decimal expansions of numbers between zero and one in some order or other, because then they'd be the same number of them as there are the integers. Now, many of these will go on forever without repetition, like the decimal part of pi, which is just 0.1415926 and so on. So what you're going to get now is an infinite list of infinite strings of digits. So you'll have to work hard to imagine it. Now, what Cantor proved was that no matter how you do this, I can come up with a number that you left out. So imagine you have your list of all the unending decimals. Now, I come along with a number. And what I do is I say, okay, the first digit of this number is going to be different from the first digit in the first number of the list. And the second digit is different from the second digit of the second number in the list and so on. So I make sure every digit is different from something in the list. Of course, you have to imagine this because I have to come up with infinitely many digits. But you can imagine that I can do this. If you can imagine Hilbert's Hotel, you can imagine this. (laughs) And I can always do this given an infinite amount of time, no matter what your list looks like. Now, this number isn't going to appear on the list anywhere since it differs from everything on the list in at least one digit. So there's one that's left out. Now, you add that to the list. I could just go back in there and do it again and come up with another number that's not on the list. Now, don't worry if you can't follow this proof. This was a really mind-blowing proof that Cantor came up with. The point is that you can't make a list of all the numbers between 0 and 1. And when you think when Buzz Lightyear says, to infinity and beyond, you think it's a joke, since you can't go beyond infinity. Well, we just did. (laughs) so Cantor showed that there are just as many integers as rational numbers but there are more irrational numbers than rational numbers and all along Pythagoras and his gang thought they were outliers now it turns out there are even higher levels of infinity but we won't go there because it'll make my head explode so let's go to a puzzle okay yes please okay this is called three dirty children (laughs) a logician found his three children who also happened to be very good logicians playing in Mm -hmm. the mud he looked at them at least one of the three of you has a dirty face do you know if you have a dirty face yourself so they all looked at each other and said in unison no he asked again Do you know if you have a dirty face yourself? Again, they looked at each other and said in unison, no. Then he asked them a third time, do you know if you have a dirty face yourself? They all answered in unison, yes. Who had a dirty face and how did they know? You're probably going, what? Well, let me repeat it. A logician found his three children, who also happened to be very good logicians, playing in the (laughs) mud. He looked at them, at least one of the three of you has a dirty face. Do you know if you have a dirty face yourself? So they all looked at each other and said in unison, no. He asked again, do you know if you have a dirty face yourself? Again, they looked at each other and said in unison, no. Then he asked them a third time, do you know if you have a dirty face yourself? They all answered in unison, yes who had a dirty face, and how did they know? We'll have the solution next time when we look at an ugly, beautiful theorem. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a puzzle or something else that you'd like to share on the air, leave a voice message at anchor.fm slash theartofmathematics with hyphens or email me at cjacoby at jacobyconsulting.com. Thanks for listening.